Wake up. Freedom's on the rise. And here I would like uh, briefly to uh, to compare what, the parable of Brave New World with uh, another parable which was put forth more recently uh, in uh, George Orwell's book, 1984. I'm inclined to think that... Uh, the scientific dictatorships of the future, and I think they're going to be scientific dictatorships in many parts of the world, will be probably a good deal nearer to the brave new world pattern uh, than to the uh, 1984 pattern. They will be a good deal nearer, not because of any humanitarian qualms in the scientific dictators, but simply because the brave new world pattern is probably a good deal more efficient than the other. But if you can uh, get people to consent to the state of affairs in which they are living, the state of servitude, the state of being, well, it seems to me that the, the nature of the ultimate revolution with which we are now faced is precisely this, uh, that we are in process of developing a whole series of techniques which uh, will enable the controlling oligarchy, who have always existed and presumably always will exist uh, to get people actually to love their servitude. Uh, people can be made to enjoy a state of affairs which by any decent standard they ought not to enjoy. And uh, these uh, methods I, I think are a real refinement on the older methods of terror because they combine methods of terror with methods of acceptance. But then there are various other methods which one can think of. There is, for example, the pharmacological method. This, this was one of the things I, I talked about in Brave New World. And the result would be that, I mean, you can imagine a, a euphoric which would make people thoroughly happy even in the most abominable circumstances. I mean, they, these things are possible. Welcome to Freedom's Rising. Today is May 26th, 2022. It's definitely not March. I believe I said March in the last episode. It is May. These episodes are recorded in the morning and then put out in that same day, as long as I don't run into snags. Now, today I did run into some snags, and I worked through that shit, and now I'm back at it and recording another episode, which was my goal, to get out an episode Monday through Thursday, tentatively. Don't hold me to it. I'm not big on you know, strict scheduling with things like this, but at the same time, and the reason for for that is if I do run into a snag or some other thing, I don't want to have a, you know, this like, I've got to be there mentality, but at the same time, I would like to be more productive in getting these episodes out for everyone. And uh, I'm enjoying the flow and the creative process behind it. So Again, welcome to Freedom's Rising. Today is episode number five of the series. And as you heard there, that was Aldous Huxley, uh, brother of Julian Huxley. 
Julian being a eugenicist and Aldous being a member of the Fabian Society, uh, along with folks like Bertrand Russell, um, and really is what started off democratic socialism. And you could say that that novelist was really writing uh, the future and predicting the future in the brave new world versus, you know, a fiction. And that eerie clip there came from his speech at UC Berkeley, but it actually, I pulled that from the Endgame documentary, and that's why you hear, like, the ominous music in the background, or not music even, it's like... That thing was um, added in there for the editing of the film. And I used that back in the Creature of Control episode one in the opening montage back in 2015 when I first started really producing podcasts. And I listened to it recently and I was like, oh man, this is bad. I liked the mixing of the audio that I did, but the um, my part in it, you know, you go back and listen to some of the earlier work and realize how far you've come and then I'm happy to have this opportunity to continue on and try to put out the content put out the good work and not just try but this is this is uh doing it and making it happen and putting it out there and getting better at as we go so again I'll put the show notes in the show notes the end game link to the end game films I think that's a good film for people to get more familiar with eugenics and more familiar with, uh, you know, how this stuff has been rolled out. And of course it is a, an Alex Jones documentary and, you know, a lot of people out there might not be able to handle that individual or be able to, you know, consume the material just because of that, but that's okay. You know, you don't have to, (laughs) I think that you'd be better to research all the points and facts and things that are brought up in the film itself, you know, and go go down and not have to rely on what the film is saying and, you know, look up these things and, you know, go down into that information without needing to have just endgame. I mean, look up Julian Huxley and eugenics and you could start there. Uh, But really, I, I like the comparison, you know, between Brave New World and... 1984. We've got kind of this mixture of both going on at the moment, uh, where, you know, you do have to sort of see that two plus two is clearly four, but you have to say that two plus two equals five, and you have to believe in the illusion, right? You have to actually admit that you're uh, participating in it by, you know, repeating the lies and the deceptions and the virtue signaling and all that. Um, But so, for us that are more aware, it's not enough to be just knowing, and it's not enough to just know, oh, yeah, I've seen Endgame, I've seen all the documentaries, I know all the stuff, right, but it's, now it's got to be what are you actually manifesting in the world because of what you know. You can take on a lot of information, you can continue to take in information, and if it doesn't cause you to change your behavior, then what good is the information to keep taking in? And I've I've been victim to this, or I've fell into this, where I just kept taking in information, kept taking in information, and 
it's sort of in a selfish way, almost like entertainment. Like you become to the point where you're sort of going throughout your day, doing your normal stuff and just listening to these things. At least that's how I would consume a lot of this information and, you know, end up realizing that, yeah, okay, it's great that you're able to maybe explain to certain people when you're having a conversation or you're more in depth when you have conversations with people, you can pull from sources and mix in, you know, it's kind of like with creating a podcast. Like if you're aware of more information to be able to bring into the podcast and play into it, then you're able to make it more interesting in that way. Same thing with having conversations with people. But beyond that, if you're not actually taking real world action in your life and getting into action uh, with, you know, not in a reactive way, but more of a proactive okay, we understand that it's bad, you know, okay, look out there, watch the news. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm, it's bad. It's real bad, you know, and then you look out, uh, you, you're, you know, looking at the daily situation, the daily news, the latest mass shooting, the latest virus, the latest pandemic, the war. Okay, yeah, it's, it's pretty bad out there, you know, <laughs> and you can get caught up even in just that, right? But what we're talking about is not, you know, running a, a, out and buying uh, 10 months worth of food and you know now you're good and doing all this like preparedness and getting your bug out bag ready not even so much that but it's getting into action into your life to build uh, a beautiful environment in your yard let's say gardening uh, getting into some animal husbandry as what I would put forward as an actual solution where I know, you know, vegetarian and vegan people obviously aren't going to be adding in animals, but if you can learn to have s- small livestock in your environment to create compost and add to the soil and maybe do like aquaponics and raised beds, if you can't grow directly in the dirt in your area or a greenhouse, you know, it's not like your mass scale producing and abusing animals on a mass scale. It's husbandry. You're caring for the livestock and they're you know giving back to you chickens are a good example that's something i've been working on for the last year so we got chickens cassandra sort of drove me forward into doing this and you know it's become a a big project and we're having to manage okay what do we do with this rooster how do we get these new chickens integrated into the situation how do we make sure they have enough room we have to we had to clean one and isolate it the other day um, we have to, we have it in the garage now being isolated and, you know, these are things that I didn't know how to do before. That's kind of the point I'm bringing up is now I do know how to do that. It's another skill that I have now I can produce eggs and it, even if it's not cost effective because maybe the feed or I don't have the grains growing to create sort of a holistic life cycle where I'm using the gardening, uh, leftovers and, abundance from the garden to help feed the chickens and supplement their food. The main point of it is is we have like meals on hooves, you know, or we have these birds now out there. If things do go south and go sideways, then we're able to, you know, propagate more and have more eggs and more chickens. And we're just getting started with that. But I don't think I'm going to go like all crazy and do, you know, goats and cows. And like, I think for now, I just want to perfect the chicken thing. And then what I plan to do next is uh, once we get onto our more permanent property, have uh, the aquaponics added into it. But see, the chickens are a lot easier to move. 
and uh, we planted some trees in some uh, big uh, barrels that we have, or these big plastic barrels. We've been Cassandra did. I mentioned it, and then she did it. Uh, but I would like to get my hands in that soil too and start, you know, doing these things. And so when I say, but but at the same time, this is you know me simplifying what getting into action is. Okay, so you're getting into action. It's also, you know, taking responsibility in your own life. I I see freedom coming through more of a, you know, complete responsibility, complete accountability and ownership for the situation and conditions of your life. And then owning that, no matter how good or bad, and then, you know, taking care of those things that need to be taken care of, obviously, like the, the, the basics, but then on a wider scale, like accountability for the situations of the world, for the conditions of the world, and how do you, as an individual, have the power to change that? And we all do. We all have the power to make a massive amount of change. That's how powerful we are, is that one person can make a massive amount of change in the world, but a number of people working together towards a goal of towards more liberty in their life, more freedom, more truth, more prosperity, uh, speaking the truth, uh, combating the lies. These things are very powerful. And if we get into action in these ways as well, that's uh, part of the understanding, part of really becoming wise is the way that you live your life. And through your vocation, becoming living, speaking, breathing the thing that you understand, right? So you're not just saying it to other people. You're not being a we need. You're not the we need and we need, we need to do this and we need to do that, right? You're actually just speaking, living, and being the truth 24-7. So it takes a lot of action to bring about the change in your life. And so once you understand the direction that you want to go in, I think it's then time to take massive action towards that goal. And in taking massive, massive amount of action, you'll start to see progress towards that. But sometimes it can be a longer term thing. So for myself, I'll just be transparent. I have some debts that I'd like to get out of. I'm working towards that goal aggressively. Um, taking somewhat of a, you know, Dave Ramsey-ish approach on the, the, you know, the debt snowball. And it's, it is a psychological thing. And I don't necessarily believe that if you've accumulated a certain amount of debt in life, that it's just down with the system, man. And, and you don't need to pay off those things. Like, no, I made decisions that, and if I do that and just run away from it, those decisions are going to come back to haunt me later. So there's a huge, you know, pile that I need to take care of here. And I'm just going to attack that until it's done. And that's the responsible thing to do, right? And that's a very difficult thing to do. But a lot of people do it. A lot of people get themselves into debt. And this can be a chain, this can be a big problem for, you know, the exit and build strategy, you know, exiting these systems mentally, well, I got these debts to pay off, man, and I got this mortgage, and I got the 401k, and I got the IRA, and I got to have the health insurance, and I got to bring in this certain amount of income, right? Well, that all sounds like a bunch of hurdles that you're putting up in front of your mind to not be able to still at least, you know, start to mentally exit like we talked about in the first episode, that first steps are in the mind, right? So you have to not, you know, put up all the barriers, you need to then create solutions, okay? So, you know, in that example, you work towards getting out of the debt. And then once you're out of it, 
you can not do that again, right? Not make those mistakes again, not be tied down by those problems again, and now have a lot more freedom. And hopefully, you know, you're creating more wealth and abundance in your life to then be able to stack those sats, right? Or stack whatever it is that, you know, if you want to invest in certain stocks, I'm not think, saying that that's completely the wrong way to go. But if we're talking about, you know, really getting out of these, uh, the banking system empire and the fiat current uh, Federal Reserve system, uh, then, you know, taking steps in that direction where you're going into these, like, I would say, like more traditional ways of investing are probably not going to be the way to go. But luckily now, there are other ways to invest your money. And this is going to be totally different for people that have a lot of cash, you know, and have it tied up in these assets. I'm Obviously, these pe people think a lot differently than people that are like, you know, trying to get out of debt, don't have massive amounts of money wrapped up in investments long term and things like that. And it, you know, I know what I'm talking about sounds scary and like, oh, what is this? He's saying like not to use the 401k and not to use the IRA and not to use these traditional methods of investing to build wealth and build capital. Um, well, we have to, re we do need to rethink about what we're willing to fund. And if we're putting our money in things like the fidelity and, you know, these are getting into the Vanguard group and BlackRock, the, these funds fund things that you may not, like we talked about in the holistic self-assessment in the last episode or a couple episodes ago, is that really where you want your energy to go? Is that where you want your profits to come from? Is investing in like the pharmaceutical companies that are creating uh, these bogus mRNA bioweapon vaccines or, you know, BlackRock and Blackstone uh, or these uh, con military contractors building weapons of war? Is that what you want your wealth to be built off of? And if you're able to give back because you've made a lot of money on your investments over time and now you're able to give back to charity, I think those are good on you type stuff to do. You know, that's really good that we can give back in life. It's a very important thing to do. Um, but yeah, so I, I'm not saying, you know, the other extreme of go put it all in Bitcoin, like put all your investments in Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. That's the way to go. I'm just saying that we should probably question where we are putting our longer term investments and what that energy is going towards producing in the world, right? So I'm not sure exactly how we got into this. I'm obviously not a CPA or financial advisor, um, but just things to think about, you know? And I think it's time right now to tighten it up. I think with the gas prices, with the food prices, uh, everything is going up and people's wages probably aren't going up or their income earnings uh, probably isn't keeping up with that exactly at the same trend line. And I think we'll see a break here in maybe like the housing market, other things, but you know, gas prices may not be coming back down immediately. Uh, there's certain things that have changed here to where, you know, we all really need to uh, be careful out there, you know, take care of the things that you need to take care of, make sure that you're able to produce and provide for your family and get ready for some turbulent times ahead. I don't think 
that we're headed for a peaceful, easy-going summer, uh, depending on, I guess, your abilities and where you're at in the world and what your uh, perspective is on that, what you're paying attention to. <laughs> but I think it's pretty hard to ignore the the way the economy seems to be headed. But we're going to get into this today with a clip that I have to play, and it's going to help us understand, you know, how to do this, how to enact more accountability and responsibility in our lives. Uh, the clip is surviving in an, the age of corporatism and shortages with Jack Spearco, and it's on the Ron Paul Liberty Report. So Ron Paul had on Jack Spearco two uh, monumentous figures in, you know, being able to, you know, bring about the message to a wider audience. I think Jack is more of an anarchist, you know, Ron Paul, more of a libertarian uh, that ran for political office, obviously, and even has ran in presidential campaigns under the Republican Party, you know. And I know there's a lot of Ron Paulers out there. Uh, I never really was into politics even at that level and didn't, I ne I've never voted in my life. I never saw that uh, Ron Paul would be a solution. I th definitely think like his campaign to expose the Federal Reserve System was effective. And I think that because of him and people like Jedward Griffin and Eustace Mullins, that people understand the Federal Reserve System and how it works a lot better. Uh, there's still some issues there. Um, you know, the current Congress is still passing and allowing this current system to exist with this debt-based economy where we're in, you know, whatever 30, 40 trillion or whatever the debt is that we're in trillions of dollars in debt to this entity and our lives and energy are going to these things if we're participating in the, t the uh, tax system. So if you're paying taxes and you're, you know, paying off the, the debt, you're paying off the, the uh, debt owed to the Federal Reserve and we can't, we're, we're not going to pay this off. It's a Ponzi scheme. It's an impossible situation, but our life energy is being funneled into systems again that are not sure that you'd want to be funding the things if you knew exactly what was going on with that money and were more aware of where each dollar went you'd probably be shocked and you wouldn't continue to want to uh, put your money into that system so you know to the average brainwashed um asleep person out there they're like wow wow and they have like a thousand arguments against what i just said about why taxation needs to go towards these things but you know i mean taxation is theft it's just there's no way around it but people can the other side to that blade is people can voluntarily want to be in servitude like albus huxley it's amazing how we could get these people to be involuntary servitude and they'll love it they will love they'll own nothing and be they will own nothing and be happy oh yes very good klaus yes yes aldius you were right in your book they will own nothing and they will love it they will be voluntary slaves <laughs> so yeah i mean like it's it is a crazy mixture of the brave new world 1984 ish klaus schwabian uh future that we're headed into here but at the same time the opportunity for us to not go into bondage to not go into slavery further and to actually exit those systems and 
you know, drive out of them has never been more possible at the very same time. It's just, you need to step into that, right? That mindset needs to be uh, opened and expanded and we'll, you know, exit those systems in our mind and build a, a brave new future that's not the brave new world or the 1984 or the Klaus Schwabian. They're all wrong, you know? So that's the, the hard truth here. Um, for those folks to hear is that they're not going to get their way. And it's because of these folks, like we're going to be playing in this upcoming clip that, um, that will be the case because of the mindset, the spirit and the energy behind, uh, what you're going to hear here to end out the episode. So, um, we'll summarize on Monday. We'll come back actually Monday's, a uh, long weekend. We're going to go camping. We'll be out. So next week, again, the plan is to try to get out four to five episodes a week, uh, three to five, let's say. And next week, I know it's going to be a shorter week because of some traveling that I have to do. And when I come back in the studio, we'll summarize, we'll catch up, we'll get right back into it, and we'll be playing more clips and playing more freedom-oriented content and getting the message of freedoms rising out there. And uh, so thanks, everyone. And I have a special segment that I'm going to have upcoming uh, where we cover alt-eats. And alt-eats is part of the alt-lifestyle. And it's part of the freedoms rising wheelhouse. That's what you see in the banner. Like there's... um, tylerbloyer.com logo within the stones media network freedoms rising and alt eats alt eats is part of what cassandra launched as her way of putting forward what she's learned uh, when it comes to freeing up your diet freeing up your health freeing up your budget and your mind as far as to how hard it would be to have a more healthy lifestyle and eating and you can go to alteats.life and sign up there for the free mini course that will be discussed further. I'm going to try to get Cassandra to sit down with me and discuss in an episode where we'll record a little interview and we'll go over alt eats and alt life and bring more of that forward. But for now, uh, if you're in Arizona, you can go to alteats.life slash order and check out some of the products there that we can ship to you here in Arizona for now. And otherwise, just go to alteats.life and sign up there for the email Uh, Sign up and you'll get access to the free mini course and the newsletter and the Discord channel and uh, join in in our uh, sort of alt-life community, which is all under the Freedoms Rising umbrella. So uh, that's an exciting thing that I haven't brought up here on the show yet. And it definitely ties in. I mean, health freedom and food freedom, being able to experiment more with the diet to live a more healthy lifestyle, but still eat the flavors and things and tastes that you might like to eat is really kind of what it's all about so far. And there's uh, some recordings and courses in there that we've put out that you can sample and check it out. So go to freedomsrising.live, sign up for the email newsletter there if you'd like to. Otherwise, uh, check me out on the One Great Work Network. And if you'd like to submit your freedom project or conference, to uh, support at freedomsrising.live. We can feature it here on the show and put it in the upcoming events section. And we will talk to you guys 
next week. Have a good one. Thanks. Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the Liberty Report. With us today is Chris Rosini, our co-host. Chris, welcome to the program. Great to be with you again, Dr. Paul. Very good. And uh, Chris, we're fortunate today to have a special guest. He's going to be with us uh, uh, for the program. And uh, many of our people in our audience know his name, and I will repeat it, and, and that is Jack Spierko, and he has the Survival Podcast. He's been doing it for 14 years, and he's still surviving, so he must have a good report. So uh, I would say that, uh, Jack, welcome to the program. Well, thanks for having me today, Dr. Paul. It's a big honor to be on. Very, very good. And and Chris, go ahead and say hello to Jack, and let's go to, on with the discussion. Yeah, Jack, it's great having you on the show. And, uh, you know, one of the big reasons we invited you on is we live in uh, unusual times, especially for Americans. Uh, we're not quite used to uh, what we're going through. And, uh, you know, on this show, we often talk about the marriage of big government and big corporations, how they work hand in hand with one another. It was very obvious during the COVID tyranny that we experienced. And even most recently, we've reached a point in this country where baby formula is being shipped, not from America, out to, you know, poor countries where babies need to, you know, mothers need to feed their babies, but the baby formula is being imported in via the military so that American mothers can feed their babies. Obviously, we're on a bad path in this country. Uh, you know, we want to ask you first, you know, you came up back in 2008 with the term modern survivalism. Now, what does that mean and why did you come up with it? So having kind of a background in marketing, if I was going to put together a podcast, I wanted to make sure that uh, I had something to kind of anchor on. And so I wanted something that was original. So I went on Google and put in modern survivalism with quotes around it. And nothing came up. And I did the same with modern survival, modern survivalist. It's like, okay, I'm going to anchor on this. And what I mean by it is we don't turn away from all of the technology we have. We don't uh, run away and hide in a bunker somewhere. But we also take those primitive skills, those wilderness skills, those hard skills that our, our grandparents knew well, and we, we kind of marry that all together. And you're right with the turmoil that's going on. I think we need this now more than ever. Uh, the tagline of my show is like the clunkiest, worst tagline ever, but it says what it is. And it's, you know, helping you live a better life if times get tough or even if they don't. And I've done this for a long time. And I built a good following, but there was also always the contention of, you know, it's it's craziness or whatever. Uh, most of those people weren't listeners anyway. But it was amazing the way things changed just a few years ago and how many, wow, you were right, emails that I got. It's, uh, it, it, is, it is difficult times, and I don't think they're going to get necessarily easier. I think we're in a position where we're, what's difficult is going to move around. You mentioned formula right now. That's a problem. I think it's going to be everything in a couple of months with the diesel reserves. And, and so we need to be adaptable and non-brittle in our, in our lives. And so what I really do is lifestyle design, but uh, modern survivalism markets a little bit better, I guess. Jack, um, your, your statement says also that you specialize in self-sufficiency, self-reliance and personal liberty. That's all, you know, very 
good stuff. And uh, of course, that's what we need more of. And we're getting less of it all the time because it's been taken over by the authoritarians who believe that the people themselves don't have the ability, desire or understanding on how to take care of themselves. But it's very uh, destructive. And, you know, if uh, people follow what you're talking about and uh, what we're interested in is one else that they gain is self-respect. And I think that sometimes uh, people don't realize that might be one of the bigger issues because it's a lack of self-respect that causes people to almost be self-destructive. Uh, they, they're, they're like a masochist. And you, if you look at our society, why are they doing these, these dumb things? Some have ulterior motives and some have guilt about it. You know, white guilt and all these things. They, they listen to that and they don't have the confidence. I've always believed that this um, self-respect and confidence that I like to see uh, comes from productivity in a simple way or in a big way that we're all meant to be productive at all different levels. And when we do something like you've done, made a, have, have a letter here for 14 years, you've been productive, you've had goals, and I'm sure you feel good about it. But uh, I think being productive is so important. And uh, the idea of self-respect is something that ultimately, that is one benefit. If we're able to take care of ourselves, we will gain self-respect. So I don't remember who said this, but somebody said something to the effect of that sovereignty cannot be given. It can only be taken, can only be claimed, it can only be asserted. And I think that what you're talking about is asserting that personal sovereignty to have that personal liberty. And it does come by being productive in a, in a large number of ways. Uh, I'm very, you know, very satisfied with the fact that today I'll record episode 3100 of my <laughs> podcast. I mean, that's that's a long track record. I don't know if there's any other podcast out there that's got that continuous track record. But what I'm I'm more encouraged by is the real payday that comes from that or the emails. I started a business. I planted a garden. I'm feeding my family. I'm prepared. We had a storm and we walked through it instead of being overrun by it. I've even had emails from people that say things like, you know, you had the tremendous personal loss of like a house burning down, but they had a plan for that. So they were able to rebuild their life much quicker. Those are all things that are about being productive. And I, I completely agree with you that people that have a purpose in their life have a tendency to assert that personal sovereignty by claiming it, by taking it, not by asking. One of the most powerful things that the people of this country have lost is the ability to say no. Um, when all this COVID nonsense started, I just didn't participate. The first week that it really hit, I had a doctor on that's part of my expert panel, and we talked about the things that you could do if you were worried about it. And the next day, I had an investment advisor on to talk about how you could capitalize on it. The next day, I had an entrepreneurial expert on to talk about the opportunities that were going to come from it. In other words, we were going to build right in the middle of the bloodshed. Now, we're, we're in the middle of economic bloodshed and supply chain bloodshed, and I'm telling people the same thing. Build now. Uh, as a student of history, I look back at some of the most iconic brands, some of the greatest success stories in our country came from the Great Depression era where people were like, I don't care that things are bad, I'm going to build anyway. So when you talk about survivalism, people generally think you're talking doom and gloom. I, I think that being non-brittle is one of the most exciting and productive things a human can build into their lives, and that's what we teach. Very good. Chris? That's excellent, Jack. And, you know, if people visit your site, the survivalpodcast.com, they'll see that it is there's just a plethora of information 
on localism, on prepping, on survival skills. But, you know, these things, these terms, they're usually, they usually get snubbed as, oh, tinfoil hat uh, types of people are interested in these things. But, you know, over these last several years, we have seen just how connected big corporations are with the state, especially the scariest collaboration, in my view, was this attempted implementation of vaccine passports. I mean, they were really hitting home with that. Fortunately, uh, that was walked back for the time being. But I think a lot of people, I hope, have come to realize, wow, you know, we're really dependent on these big mega multinational corporations and they're now using the leverage of the state and vice versa to you know try to control us so localism prepping and survivalism are at any you know they're very important i think in this time have you seen a change in attitudes i've seen a massive change in attitudes and i, I just recently said that what you many of you people need to do is go out and find that person in your family or your friend circle that you've been calling a conspiracy theory up till now a theorist up till now and hug their neck thank them for telling you and ask them what comes next because we have entered that world but yeah i've seen a, a massive paradigm shift in the type of people participating in this overall movement from you know big l libertarian party members to small l libertarian people in their lifestyle the full-on anarchism i i classify myself as an anarchist uh in all those communities and then in the 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 active communities i run a workshop at my home every year uh we we cap it at about 65 attendees because of just spatial limitations but the demographic of that has shifted over the years to uh, you started out, it was more bushcraft type people and stuff like that. People who were big into permaculture, and that's still there. But now we have professional engineers. We have lawyers. We have doctors showing up to hang out for a week in my garage. I was just part of an event called Exit and Build put on by John Bush. Amazing event. There were over 500 people in live attendance and 20,000 people on the live stream. And again, we're talking people that were from small farmers and, you know, multi-generational small farmers in Texas. This was down in Bastrop to people that were, were high-level professionals and everything in between. And the entire focus was getting out of the cities, establishing land and building local communities, whether that was kind of a looser community of just people that kind of work in a freedom cell model or whether that was a planned intentional community didn't really matter. And I have seen that grow exponentially. I think that homesteading is the new counterculture. And I, I think that, that, that freedom is, is, is the thing that unites that counterculture that we have started to realize our grandparents weren't stupid. Our grandparents were really smart people. And when they scoffed as our parents went out and squandered short-term wealth for short, long-term wealth for short-term gain, and we were like, who's right here? I think, you know, Gen X has kind of figured out that grandpa and great grandpa were right. And we're, we're following that course. And I've seen an incredible inflow. And again, it's not the numbers. The numbers are, you know, that happens. There's cycles in any kind of demographic or cohort. Um, it's, it's the diversity of the inflow. It's all, it's all sexes. It's all races. It's all sexual preferences. I mean, it's, it's, all the people that you would think that would be put off by the term survivalism are on a just a constant inflow at this point. You know, everybody gets influenced by the prevailing propaganda, and that's been uh, the biggest enemy. 
Yeah, but I still give a lot of credit to the people who do get exposed. And sometimes I'm sure you get disappointed by the lack of enthusiasm. But, but I still see a lot of people, they get a little information. All of a sudden they can, they can change and, and see the difference, especially when the world's falling apart. You guys better start challenging this. Look at what's happening to you. The, uh, the authoritarians depend on, uh, you know, submissiveness and also compliance. And we certainly saw that for COVID. And it, it, that, that became like a contagious disease. That was more infectious than any virus ever could be. And that is the authoritarian existed. You know, um, it, there's a saying that I've used quite frequently, uh, that truth is treason in an empire of lies. So when, when people are telling, uh, the truth, uh, the truth gets buried because it's a real enemy to this system that we're trying to stop. So we live in an age, and you're involved in it already, Jack, in trying to seek the truth and get it out there and give people an option. And uh, But the, self -re the self-reliance is the enemy of truth because if you become self-reliant, you don't have to listen to all this stuff. That You have to be obedient to the government. The government will take care of you from cradle to grave. So I think it's very, very important that uh, people, you, you know, have sources to gain the truth. I think that's the biggest problem we have today. And I was just wondering what your comments on that. And there, everybody, I'm sure, gets frustrated with this, no, no matter how much we think we're involved in finding these solutions. But uh, where do we send people? How do we get them interested? I think it's individual, but there's also sources out there. If you want to find, uh, uh, we spend a lot of time on foreign policy. So we're seeking people that we can trust. And I think that's important also in economics. Well, you know, one of the things I've done a lot on in episodes over the years is not telling people what to think, but how to think, how to analyze something and determine what they choose to believe after hearing both sides and you're going to have to go out and seek the counter voice. Uh, you mentioned foreign policy. One of the guys I think is doing incredible work right now, I don't know if you're aware of him, his name's Patrick Lancaster. Uh, he's embedded with, with Russian troops in the conflict in Ukraine, but he's been there for eight years uh, reporting on that war. And I'm not taking a side on that or, or anything other than I don't think we need to be involved in it. But at least the man standing in the middle of the actual battle telling you what's actually happening from his vantage point our media is not doing that. But I've, what I've noticed about people like Patrick Lancaster and others in that space is they always say, don't believe me. Listen to what I'm saying. Educate yourself and go listen to the other side and draw your conclusion. And one of the pieces of advice that I've given people over the years is to always put at least 1% more trust in the people that tell you that than the people that tell you not to listen to anybody else. Right. Uh, but the reality is I'm more encouraged right now than I've been in my entire life as I see people begin to realize that we are going to have to assert our sovereignty and do this on our own. And I think people are waking up to the concept of time preference. And I think what's really jacked us up, and it goes straight to our monetary system, is a short-term versus a long-term time preference. And all the things we're talking about, whether it's you know uh, ensuring your wealth with gold, uh, I'm a big Bitcoin maximalist, so moving into the Bitcoin world about a capped currency and long-term uh, guarantee, uh, you can't inflate it, you can't seize it. But even things like homesteading and things like that, these are all things that move the pro time preference out. 
the man who plants, uh, you know, salad is doing a good thing, but he's also thinking about what's going to happen in the next 30 days. The man that plants a tree is thinking about his great grandchildren. And if we're going to do this, the, the primary thing that we need to do is change our time preference. And that's with economics. That's with how we manage our households. That's how we manage our business. I discovered this a long time ago before I was even podcasting. So it's you know, probably 20 years. I was in uh, Manhattan and I'm, I'm, I'm going through all these amazing places. I, I worked there at the time. Um, and I, I looked at some of the churches and the architecture. And I looked at the sculptures on the outside of them. And I stood there with awe. And I, I realized in that moment that we would never build that today. And the time that they built that, gold was money. And when you had a hard currency, you were thinking five, six, seven generations into the future. When you're sitting here with this fiat currency that we have, you're thinking about right now, today, what can I get now? You're, a long time preference today is 90 days. You can't build a multi-generational society thinking a quarter ahead. You have to be thinking about the grandchildren and great-grandchildren you'll never even know. And it makes me think of a Greek proverb that a society grows great. Uh, when old men plant trees who shade, they know they shall never sit in. All right. Uh, Chris? And that's what we need to be doing. Yeah, I have uh, one more question, Dr. Paul. Uh, that was excellent, uh, Jack, right, uh, right on the money. Uh, the last question I wanted to ask you was uh, about American exceptionalism. And there's several forms of it. There's the imperial neocon, we're going to remake the world in our image. But there's also an American exceptionalism, I think, for the average person where they may believe that because they won the lottery, they were born in America, simply because they live on this landmass, that, you know, you're good, we're, we're fine, everything's always going to be fine here. Uh, but, you know, I, I believe that the America that produced all of the, you know, earth-shattering wealth was a result of the ideas, uh, the ideas of liberty. And if you take those ideas of liberty away, and today we have the ironically, the biggest government to ever exist on the face of the earth. If you take the ideas of liberty away, we are just people just like everyone else in the world, and we can suffer the consequences uh, that everyone else, you know, we live under the same economic laws as everyone else. So uh, what are your thoughts on that? So back when I was a kid, I remember my father talking to me like I wasn't a kid. That was one of the, the the, the things he did really well was stretching you. And I remember, though, sometimes I would think, geez, I don't, I don't know what you know, the old man's talking about here. And he would say that the government that starts out the smallest will actually become the largest because the limited power they have will result in tremendous prosperity for the people. But then over the years, they'll use one power to make another power and they'll use those two powers to make two more powers and they'll keep increasing their power and they'll have lots of money to fund the things that they want to do. And I think that's the exact mess that we're in. In spite of that, there is still an exceptional component to that, which is the nation of, of, of America, the United States, right? And that is our form of government in a republic. And the federal government has done everything they can to eliminate that exceptionalism. But we saw it it was revealed like many things were when the COVID pandemic hit and all these crazy lockdowns started. My life in Texas did not change. Now, there was some lockdowns and stuff, but I just ignored it. I just went on with my life. But then the rest of the state kind of like went on with their life mostly 60 days into it because 
our governor woke up, found his spine, and decided we're not doing this and not participating and, and, and let the state go back to normal. And friends of mine that I grew up in Pennsylvania uh, and Florida, people in Florida, their life was a lot like mine. People that I, I had that I grew up with in Pennsylvania, they, they their lives were destroyed. And people in you know California and New York, it was worse. And I realized it wasn't just that their lives were worse. They were more afraid. They had been pushed to fear. But there were a lot of them that said, you know what, I'm not doing this anymore. And people that were so proud of living in New York, I remember getting emails. I'm moving to Florida. I'm moving to Texas. I'm moving to, you know, some other state. And that is the remnant of the true exceptionalism that was this country, that we were to be laboratories of liberty. And by having the ability to choose the jurisdiction in which you resided and did business in, that meant that there was a check on stupidity and a check on insanity and a, a, a check on, on financial ignorance. And that if a, if a state did poorly enough in those areas and other areas, people would leave and take their wealth, their time, their talent, their businesses, their families with them. And if you want to restore that, then people need to get some damn self-respect. And they need to understand that when it comes to making the hard decision of moving, there are people that risk being shot by a machine gun to get over the Berlin Wall. Okay? And we live in a republic where you can rent a U-Haul and move and make some new friends and establish a new business. And it may be hard, but if you don't understand that the place you're living is not worthy of the honor of your presence it's over. And if we don't figure that out right now, we're going to look like Europe. And I just talked about this yesterday. I'm not putting anybody down in Europe, but I feel like Europe is lost. When I listen to Europeans who are supposedly pro-liberty Europeans, I'm like, these guys are left of the left here. And it's due to something that I, I this is going to be a hard thing for people to hear. I believe that our government and our corporatocracy and our oligarchy has been exceptional at doing one real thing, domesticating human beings. We have been domesticated like an animal. And the way you domesticate an animal is you take it from its mother and father at birth and you raise it as its parents and you feed it and you care for it. You put it by and you take a wild pig and put it in a pig pen. And by the time it's one generation old and you fed it from a bottle as a baby, it will let you take its children. And that's where we're headed. So I know Dr. Paul's big on this, too. My final message for all, take your children away from the state's school system. <laughs> I am right now, my wife and I, we homeschool our grandchildren. I wish I would have known this when my son was, was in school. This is the number one thing you can do to restore American exceptionalism is make Americans exceptional again. And then America might be as well. Very, very good, Jack. I want to follow up on a statement that you made about the significance of people paying attention at one time and still to some degree about the beautiful, wonderful architecture of Christian churches throughout Europe, uh, representing an age that doesn't exist right now. Uh, but Murray Rothbard was a good friend and, uh, he, he, he claimed he was an avowed atheist, but he never convinced me that he really was. But anyway, he, uh, one of his hobbies was when he, he would travel and go to Europe and he was an expert on a lot of things. But one thing was he was an expert on Christian architecture of the churches. So that sort of was a thought that came to my mind when you were emphasizing the, the significance that, uh, why these churches might have been built at that particular time. But, you know, still back to the subject of seeking truth, which I think is uh, a, a lifetime pursuit for most of us, and I think it should be. But uh, the uh, uh, 
you know, f figuring out, you know, I uh, spoke out a lot during the presidential campaign when I would get significant crowds of, of young people. And uh, I was very much encouraged by by young people coming out. But I remember one time there was a bit of a discussion in the debate about the Constitution. I, I was able to give my 60 seconds and a few others, you know, paid lip service, you know, to the same idea. Yes, we have to be followers of the Constitution, this sort of thing. But afterwards, there was a group of young people came up to me and they wanted to ask me a question. And, and uh, they, they wanted to ask me, you, you know, about the significance of the Constitution. And I asked, I asked them, I said, uh, why, uh, why, why do you come to me? There were A, B, and C. They said the same thing. And I said, you could ask them these questions. He says, but we didn't believe them. And I thought, well, there's a certain thing about truth. You know, it, it is not that hard to figure out. And uh, for, for, the, for that reason, I think I always want to encourage people to seek the truth. And, uh, and I think uh, it's, it would be a much better world if, if we could do that because you, we could seek out the good and the evil, the bad and good and all the alternatives, dependency on governments versus self-reliance, all of these things. Go ahead, Jack. We're, uh, we're going to finish up with your answer, uh, but go ahead and make some comments now. And, and, and make sure you give us a way of, for our viewers to uh, follow you and get your letter. Yeah, um, I think what you're really talking about there is optimism. And, and this is one of the things I've always found in the Constitution. And, and this is strange, I think, for some people here in Anarchists say it's one of the most optimistic documents that I've ever seen in my life, and it, it probably is the most optimistic because it was formed at a time when this nation was far from perfect, and a lot of people like to kick that now. However, it made it, it took what was ca capable of being done at the time, and it made it work. And it, in, it, to me, it initiated a process that we were going to fix a lot of those problems into the future. And what our our founders did was they handed future generations a mechanism by which to fix the things they were unable to fix themselves versus what our politicians do now is kick the problem down the road with no mechanism for repair. That, that's why you see things like these amazing uh, architectures, because the people that built them were optimistic about the future. If you look at, I remember Michael Saylor was talking about this. If you go to like where Notre Dame Cathedral is, there's literally people out there with little carts that are little vendors that the the the, the vending space, the, the permit or whatever they do there in France has been handed down in the family so long that somebody's great grandfather was there when they were building the dadgone thing. Now, we don't build things like that anymore, but it's because we've lost that optimism about the future. When you start building for tomorrow, you restore optimism. Uh, in Bitcoin, we say fix the money, fix fix the world. And that seems overly optimistic, but I don't think it is. In permaculture, we say all the world's problems can be solved in a garden. The person that plants is not thinking about today. They're thinking about tomorrow. Uh, the gentleman I mentioned, Patrick Lancaster on YouTube, an amazing journalist. He asked one lady right in the middle of absolute hell, why don't you evacuate? She said, where would we go? And we've already planted a vegetable garden. <sighs> Now that'll hit you when you when you really understand you got a person at the edge of what they can tolerate and they say, well, if I don't do this today, I won't have anything tomorrow. You restore that 
and you fix everything. And if people want to know more about what we do and learn how to do these things to build for their future, uh, the show is called the survivalpodcast.com, two-time podcast of the year award winner. Uh, episode 3100 will be recorded a little bit later today. I do live stream most of the shows uh, on YouTube and all the other platforms. And if you don't want to type out a great big long the survivalpodcast.com, just go to tspc.co and check us out. And thank you so much, Dr. Paul, for having me on today. I want to tell you something. Um, I've interviewed well over a thousand people. Uh, almost always the subject of liberty comes up and my openers question for people so people can connect with the guest is, how'd you get where you are? Start out with like you're hanging out in study hall and you, now you're working on building a cattle farm and you know, you're, you're selling beef directly to the customer or whatever. And there's always a liberty angle in it. And I'd say 95% of them start out with, well, it was like late nineties or early two thousands. I found this video of Dr. Ron Paul. <laughs> and uh, so you, you've done a lot for us. Thank you. Well, Jack, thank you very much because you're on your way to reaching a lot of people. You have joined the remnant and the remnant is growing. And that to me is something that has existed and it's understandable. There's somebody always there to keep the principles of liberty alive. But I'm very glad that you came on the program today and I'm sure our audience uh, have appreciated it very much. And I want to thank our audience for tuning in today to the Liberty Report. Please come back soon.